extraordinary intelligence. I had gone far along the road to success in recent experiments. With Tobamori, as you call him, I have reached the goal. Mr. Appin concluded his remarkable statement in a voice which he strove to divest of a triumphant inflection. No one said, Rats! Though Clovis's lips moved in a monosyllabic contortion which probably invoked those rodents of disbelief. And do you mean to say, asked Miss Resker after a slight pause, that you have taught Tobermory to say and understand easy sentences of one syllable? My dear Miss Resker, said the wonder worker patiently. One teaches little children and savages and backward adults in that piecemeal fashion. When one has once solved the problem of making a beginning with an animal of highly developed intelligence, one has no need for those halting methods. Tobermory can speak our language with perfect correctness. This time Clovis very distinctly said, Beyond rats! Sir Wilfrid was more polite, but equally sceptical. "'Hadn't we better have the cat in and judge for ourselves?' suggested Lady Blemley. Sir Wilfrid went in search of the animal, and the company settled themselves down to the languid expectation of witnessing some more or less adroit drawing-room ventriloquism. In a minute Sir Wilfrid was back in the room, his face white beneath its tan and his eyes dilated with excitement. By gad, it's true! His agitation was unmistakably genuine and his hearers started forward in a thrill of awakened interest. Collapsing into an armchair, he continued breathlessly, I found him dozing in the smoking room and called him out to come for his tea. He blinked at me in the usual way, and I said, Come on, Toby, don't keep us waiting. And by gad, he drawled out in a most horribly natural voice that he'd come when he dashed well pleased. I nearly jumped out of my skin. Appin had preached to absolutely incredulous hearers. Sir Wilfred's statement carried instant conviction. A babel-like chorus of startled exclamation arose, amid which the scientist sat, mutely enjoying the first fruit of his stupendous discovery. In the midst of the clamour, Tobermory entered the room and made his way with velvet tread and studied unconcern across to the group seated around the tea-table. A sudden hush of awkwardness and constraint fell on the company. Somehow there seemed to be an element of embarrassment in addressing on equal terms a domestic cat of acknowledged mental ability. "'Will you have some milk, Tobermory?' asked Lady Blemley in a rather strained voice. "'I don't mind if I do,' was the response." couched in a tone of even indifference. A shiver of suppressed excitement went through the listeners, and Lady Blemley might be excused for pouring out the saucerful of milk rather unsteadily. I'm afraid I've spilt a good deal of it, 
she said apologetically. After all, it's not my Axminster, was Tobermory's rejoinder. Another silence fell on the group, and then Miss Resker, in her best district visitor manner, asked if the human language had been difficult to learn. Tobermory looked squarely at her for a moment, and then fixed his gaze serenely on the middle distance. It was obvious that boring questions lay outside his scheme of life. What do you think of human intelligence? asked Mavis Pellington lamely. Of whose intelligence in particular? asked Tobermory coldly. Oh, well, um, mine, for instance, said Mavis with a feeble laugh. You put me in an embarrassing position, said Tobermory, whose tone and